Alright, everybody, welcome to BO Boys for Monday, September 6th. Fuck it, it's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. And happy Labor Day weekend, and it was a happy Labor Day weekend at the box office. Let's just get into it, Pat. Are you ready to plow? Are you ready to do some some labor by we, by getting yes. out in the field and, and plowing these these top five of the box office? Well, everybody else is maxing and relaxing. We are here doing our labor, which we love, mm-hmm. and that is plowing through this top five. So number one, Shang-Chi and the Le- Legend of the Ten Rings, $71.4 million three-day. Number two, Candyman, $10.5 million, down 52%. It is at $39 million in its second weekend. Number three, Free Guy, $8.7 million, down only 34%. Lost wow. only 55 theaters. It is at 91.8 in its fourth frame. Number four, Jungle Cruise, 3.9, down only 21%. Lost 295 theaters. It is now at 10 well, I'm sorry, $105.6 million in its sixth weekend. And number five, Paw Patrol the movie, $3.6 million, down 44%, lost 185 theaters. It is at $30 million in its third weekend. That is your top five. That is the three-day. Now, we got to talk about this Shang-Chi. Okay? Yes. Incredible. You said it would go under... I did. You did said, I have it under 50? Did I have it opening in the 40s? Is that is that what I yes. said? Well, you you had it under 55. And we which record would have been this show. That, that, that's out there for everyone to know. Listen, nobody knows anything. William Goldman, RIP. It is right. so true. I said it would go over. I said it would be Hulk. <clears throat> I said, fuck it. It's a raw feed. Fuck it. We're keeping it in. I'd say I said it was going to go over Ant-Man. But I did not think that it would get to 71. I said 59. And I was wrong. And boy, I'm happy to be wrong. Because this film destroyed the record. And we knew it was going to destroy the Labor Day weekend three-day record, which was 26.3. The Rob Zombie Halloween that came out in 2007. So it shattered that. Right. If it didn't, it would have been, we'd be looking at a disaster. We would be, uh, we'd be calming people panicking in the streets. So uh, it, it, it had to, it had to finish above that. Exactly. But it pretty much made, I feel like it made that or more on Saturday. Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, th- this opening weekend for, for Shang-Chi is incredible. I mean, we're looking at the numbers is reporting 71.4. Deadline is saying closer to 75 for the three days. So there's, you know, there's still some debate on the final number. And everything is pointing towards about 90 million for the four day. Th- this is a monster. This is shows again and uh, the power of, of Marvel and the MCU. These are the most popular movies in the world. Like it or not, it is what it is. Live, learn to love, learn to live with it, learn to love it. And this this movie played like a midsummer, July summer blockbuster opening. Instead, we got it on Labor Day weekend, which is a weekend in the past ruled by movies such as Dickie Roberts. You know, this is a David Spade uh, uh, vehicle type of 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 holiday weekend. And the number 10 mm-hmm. biggest opening for Labor Day until it got pushed out of the top 10 by Shang, Shang-Chi was Balls of Fury. So that mm-hmm. that just shows you where we were with the Labor Day box office. So, and like I said last episode, things are the way they are until they aren't. I'm paraphrasing mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. Historically, the box office has trends until that's not a trend. And mm-hmm. we're looking at a big Labor Day opening that nobody imagined. Nobody had this movie doing this much. And this could point to a future where you see Marvel owning the Labor Day opening. Because Labor Day is not going to be a weekend for everything. Mm -hmm. But it could be a Marvel go-to weekend for movies of this level 
where they're not the marquee characters. They're not, and not to say that Shang-Chi will not become a marquee character, but not the characters that are already marquee, your Iron Mans, your Thors, your Captain Americas, your, right. your, your Black Panthers. Right? This might not be where you put your sequels. This is where you this this could be the the weekend where you're debuting characters like your Shang-Chi or, you know, this is the first of a series. But just to give a little context here. So now where it's placed, we've got Incredible Hulk at 55.4, Ant-Man opening 57.2, Captain America, the first Avenger, 65, Thor, 65.7, and then Shang-Chi right there. After that, at 71.4, and even if it is a 75.5, Ant-Man and the Wasp will beat it because that's 75.8 million dollar opening. But it's a hair under Black Widow. Right. And it hasn't it didn't reach Doctor Strange. But this is an expectac- this is a spectacular opening, and this is exactly where I think Marvel would have expected this to open in normal yes. non-COVID times. That's yes. the important thing to take from this, is that this is a regular opening for a film. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you look at this this top five, it it is clearly these are people would have went to see movies at this level two years ago, you know, or or a year from now, hopefully when everything's completely normal. This is it does seem like the box office, especially for the opening weekend of movies and of, and of top movies or movies that people are really, really into, are currently not affected by the pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, and one thing that I want to throw out there is I'm looking in deadline. One thing they noted is that in major cities such as New York, this weekend is where a lot of the theaters are checking vaccine passes to get in. You know, that officially became became the policy at most of these theaters. And there's something to be said. Listen, we're not going to get to a debate about whether that's right or wrong or whatever. That's you, you, you could find plenty of those type of shows on, on the dial. So turn turn to another show if you want that debate. But one thing that might be happening is People do like to be in an exclusive club. And I think there may be some kind of a draw where people are saying, you know, especially in these big cities, you know, in these coastal cities, I think there is a little something like people like flashing their vaccine cards to be able to get into Shang-Chi. And I think there is a little bit of a draw there. You know, not everywhere, but coastal elite cities, that may have that may have added to the 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 desire to go see Shang Chi. Well, according to so Deadline also said Los Angeles is not checking because there's an ordinance that's making it difficult. There's kind of a legal hurdle that they're going to have to go over before that actually happens. New York, I think, is the major city doing it. Gotcha. So so I mean, listen, that makes plenty of sense that that would be the thinking in New York. You know, people want it. People, everyone wants to go to the restaurant that doesn't have any reservations available. Yeah. So and I think I I think that maybe goose in the numbers in New York is a. I got this card. My cousin doesn't have this card. He can't go to Shang Chi. You know what? I gotta go to Shang Chi because I got the card. Yeah, I mean there there is some validity to that. Now let's look at these demos because uh, Anthony D'Alessandro. Mm-hmm. from Deadline. Did an amazing Essential job. Reading. Essential reading every weekend, every mm-hmm. week. And he just did a spectacular job of breaking down these demos and giving us percentages. It's it's great. It's it's a it's a cornucopia of facts. So 31% of the audience were males under 25. Mm-hmm. 31% were males over 25. Females under 25, 20%, and females over 25 at 18%. And then we have the diversity demos, which were 36% Caucasian, 22% Latino, 18% Black, and 18% Asian. And that they over-indexed the, the, the Asian viewer over-indexed, which was what people were expecting. Mm-hmm. So they came out. And then he also has the primary reasons. Now, this is according to a poll 
the primary reasons the moviegoers went to see Shang-Chi were as follows. Which is, 49% said this was a franchise they love, meaning the MCU. Okay. 46% said the genre and the plot. 31% said someone encouraged them to see it, who they came with. Okay. 27% said the cast as a whole. 27% said they heard it was, quote-unquote, good. 23 people, not 23 people, sorry, 23% of people saw it for the lead actor, Simo Liu, mm-hmm. if I'm saying Liu, if I'm saying that correctly. 14% Aquafina. That's huge. And that is value-add territory. 14% for critics' reviews. Now, all those things are great. Makes sense that predominantly this is driven by MCU lovers. Right. It's uh, one thing to note for those, you know, maybe who don't have a pen and paper at home listening to those stats, those don't equal 100%. So I'm guessing they allowed people to pick multiple reasons why they went to see this movie. Absolutely. Because if you add up all those percentages, we're looking at, you know, upwards of 200 to 400%. I don't know. I wasn't doing the math, but it's definitely over 100. But this, I mean, the takeaway from this is that, you know, Shang-Chi is a big step up for the lead actor who I believe he was known more mostly in America for Kim's Convenience which was a sitcom. Yep. But the 14% Aquafina shows That's that amazing. there there is some cuz this is an MCU action film. Yep. with special effects part of the ongoing saga that will never end. We will we will die before the MCU finishes its story, whatever story it's trying to tell. Mm-hmm. But 14% of those people went to see this kind of film for Aquafina. I think that's big for her. I mean, that is value-add territory. Mm-hmm. You know, when we think of the great value-adds, of course, the the goat of value-add, Samuel Jackson. Aquafina, you know, Samuel Jackson, I'm sure he's going to be a value-add for decades to come, but not forever. And you need new value-adds, and that is where... Aquafina's picking up a lot of steam. You know, she was a huge value add a couple of years ago in the Ocean's 8 movie. Um, she was more of a star in that indie movie, The Farewell. But Ocean's 8 was a big hit. She was the value add. Now you got Shang-Chi, huge hit. She's the value add. Yeah, that's a moniker you want to get around town in Hollywood. You want to be an Aquafina now is going to be able to ride down, uh, uh, you know, Hollywood Boulevard out in California and people on the town are going to say, oh, look, there's Aquafina, huge value add. She's got her top down in a convertible. Well, she's got the convertibles top down. She doesn't have her top down in a convertible because then we're in uh, TMZ territory. No, we're not shock shock. She's got the convertibles top down. And people are tapping each other on the shoulder, pointing out a value add who's rolling down the street. Well, here's the other thing that these, and I wish Anthony could do this more because this really will help us when we divvy up the millions for this film. Yes. Got to bookmark this article. Which we're not going to do at $100 because that's, for this type of film, $100 is just the start because we're already at a four day of $90 million. Yeah. So yeah. this is going to be the cum. This is going to be at the end of the day who gets what. And we're going to have to, at the very least, give 14% of the millions to Aquafina. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is great for her. Like you said, the star of this movie, Samulu, uh, is it, you know, like Aquafina, is a TV star who is jumping into movies and. Looking at his background, you know, good looking guy, he's 32, you know, in sort of the same spot that another MCU star was in years ago, Chris Pratt. You know, so this may be his Chris Pratt moment. This may be this actor's chance to break out of sitcom, big MCU movie, show off the look, show off the charm. And, you know, hopefully propel, I think, make more use of that than maybe Pratt has in the last few years. So we'll, we'll see. But that's sort of the template 
that this actor has in front of him. And here's, I mean, this film is exclusive to theaters for 45 days. It's got a 45-day window. Mm -hmm. Now, we have said that there are people who are going to watch stuff on streaming and there's people going to go to the movies for it. How much do you think that it not being premium access on Disney Plus added to this? I I would say it's not as much as you would think. I don't think it's as much as you would think either. I mean, I, I do still think that, especially with the Disney Plus premium access PVOD model, where you have to pay $30 to see the movie, I don't think it affects the opening weekends that much. I mean, definitely some. There's no way that some of the people who buy a movie at home on PVOD wouldn't have gone to see it in the theater if the theater was their only options. Of course, there are some amount of of, of dollars that that is affected. But I do think the PVOD stuff is what affects the next couple of weekends more than anything else. Absolutely. But I, I don't think it affects the opening weekend. And when you look at something like Jungle Cruise, which has been on PVOD this whole time, like it probably would have done more business at the box office if it wasn't on PVOD, but I don't even think that much more. I mean, Jungle no. Cruise is at at its total now uh, 105.6. And would it be at 125 if it hadn't been on Disney Plus Premium Access? Maybe, but it might just be at 105 or 110. So I think Shang-Chi probably would have opened to 70 million even if it was available to to buy at home this weekend. And I think the big overall takeaway we can take away from Shang-Chi, there's a few. And mm-hmm. let me know if you agree with these. Marvel is still as powerful as ever. A hundred percent. It's fine. It's it's a it's like you said, get used to it. It's gonna be yeah. around for a very long time. I mean, the two biggest opening weekends of this summer were both Marvel movies. So There's no and, getting and, around that. And not marquee ones either. No. No, it's not like they put out a Spider-Man movie or a uh, you know Black Panther 2 this summer. It was a prequel to a character who died already, and it was a, a first-time character movie. Well, and one takeaway we already mentioned, which is that you can now open movies on Labor Day depending on what they are. Yep. But more broadly, theaters are healthy and people are going and they're not afraid. Right. Right. The people might not be healthy, but the theaters are healthy. I mean, and, the theaters and- aren't healthy in the sense that they've been suffering for a long time, but I think the theatrical experience is alive and well is more so what I'm trying to convey. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the theater, right. The the Even if the person is not healthy, their appetite to go to a movie is healthy, which mm-hmm. is all the theaters care about. Yes. Um, so th- this is, I mean, this is a big win. And this is also changing some studios' uh, ideas on whether or not to push their movies back. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into it. I mean, look, right before we get into these 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 big move announcements, anything else on the top five? I mean, Candyman number two had a, I would say, a really good hold. Only dropped fifty two percent, which for a horror movie, is good movie, good hold. We'll see how it goes in the third weekend because it's going up against Malignant, which is another horror movie. But this movie's at forty right now, so Candyman. It's 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 a it's a good showing for it. It did not yeah. drop out. I thought Free Guy would overtake it. It probably will do that next weekend. But mm-hmm. uh, Candyman had a great hold. Again, Free Guy had an awesome hold. And and you said it about this top five. These are the movies people wanted to see right here in this top five. These are the movies that have come out in the last couple months that people want to see, and they're still going to see them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean everything in this top. I mean Paw Patrol. Is at thirty million total. I mean, that's that. That's not a huge breakout. Kids, like young kids, movies are probably in the toughest spot right now. But you look at something like Jungle Cruise. 
only dropped twenty one percent. It's at one hundred five point six. I mean, if if people like a movie right now, it's doing well. That seems yeah. to be the take. Bad movies are sinking maybe harder than they normally would have, but movies that people want to see, whether their body is healthy or not, they're getting out to the movie theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's talk about the... And, you know, I, I'm trying to be more professional because I do think I use sometimes, like, unprofessional words like... I was going to call Sony a bunch of dinguses, and I shouldn't because professionally no. I shouldn't be referring to them that way. I should I should just say that they made a mistake, and we've beat this drum to move Venom off of its September twenty fourth opening, and and moving it to October fifteenth, where it was it going up against Halloween Kills, and they just after seeing what Shang Chi did had mm-hmm. second thoughts and they are now moving it back up two weeks to October 1st. Wow. I mean, we won't call them dinguses. You're right. We can't call Sony executives a bunch of dinguses. That's shock jock territory. That's, you know, morning zoo stuff. And that's not what we do here. But they, they're moving around a venom. Let there be carnage the last few weeks is dingusy behavior for sure. They we can't say they are dinguses, but they are doing dingusy things with yes. their scheduling. Um it's 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 so strange. It's it, because logically You're flummoxed. I can hear you. You're flummoxed. Well, logically there never seems to be a, a real reason to move something from September 24th to October 15th because if you were worried about how the pandemic will affect box office those whatever that time is those three weeks or so will make there's no difference in those in those three weeks uh, because of the pandemic if you want to if you are scared of the pandemic affecting box office then you take that movie and you move it out six months you don't move it out three weeks and now what they've effectively done is just pushed it back one week, right? They moved it from September 24th to October 1st. So they've effectively moved it one week, which there's no way that that one week later means, oh, that we're going to be in a better shape in the pandemic a week later. I mean, I, I, I don't know what kind of uh, scientific advisors Sony's uh, movie scheduling department has, but I, I would bet it's not such inside information that they know the difference of the pandemic between September 24th and October 1st. I, I think there's no difference. And they didn't wait to see how Free Guy was going to do. They didn't, at the very least, uh, they did it, They, I believe they moved it on like a Thursday or Friday right before Free Guy opened right. to a great opening. They should have right. waited because if Free, if they would have seen how Free Guy, Free Guy did, they would have probably not moved it. So that, in the end, that Venom Let There Be Carnage move by Sony was purely a reaction to the opening weekend of the Suicide Squad. Yes. The Suicide Squad tanked. They looked at the Suicide Squad as a comp movie to Venom Let There Be Carnage, which makes some sense. You know, a a body comic book action comedy movie. So the Suicide Squad bombed and they immediately panicked. Whereas if they had just waited and saw what Free Guy did and then, of course, this weekend saw what Shang-Chi did, they would have felt completely confident. In Venom, let there be carnage. Well, this Suicide is Suicide Squad just had. Wow, that is that is amazing how much effect that movie's opening weekend had. Well, here's the thing. This is this is. It, I'm glad you brought that up because that is true. But also the thing about Suicide Squad when it comes to. I'm sorry, the Suicide Squad when it comes to Venom. Venom, let there be carnage. Can you still hear me, Pat? Sorry. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can sorry. Hear you. Um, keeping it in. Fuck it. It's a raw feed. The That's whole world talking outside my window. I'm here. I'm here, trying to get away from the sound. Anyway, yeah, I, 
I could hear you and the whole world hears you, Clay. Exactly. Thank you. I just want to be heard. So the thing about Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage and The Suicide Squad is that both of their original films were critically maligned. Now, they both did... Uh, the the original Suicide Squad did Bafa Bobo, so did Venom. I do think Venom is more liked by the general public. Way than, more liked. Yes, but there are people who are worried about this film because of the fact that that first movie was pretty much lambasted. And, it's lambasted and by... by- critics it's people, uh, people like that movie it's it is much different the, the original suicide squad people didn't like it audiences didn't like it audiences liked venom and of course the big difference with venom and suicide squad is the venom sequel has the star whereas of course the suicide squad did not have will smith very true. I mean, it is just something to think about because there are murmurings online about it. Now, I think uh, me and you are still very, very bullish about this film. But I will say it's confusing as to when this movie's coming out for people because yeah. it, this is this is a Peter Rabbit 2 situation. Well, This and, thing's bouncing all around. It can't make and, a decision. And it also makes Venom to the to the general public look weaker as a property because they took Venom Let There Be Carnage and the first thing they did is they moved it, got scared, moved it back a month or three weeks and they moved it up against Halloween Kills. And and the whole world was debating, you know, we debated on this show, but the whole world was debating which of those movies would blink first, which of those would move. And like most people... We thought Halloween Kills was the one that had to move. It wasn't quite as big of a IP, or at least you know, the, it wasn't quite as big of a movie. And oh, I don't whether, think I said it was. I thought it was going to stay. Mike Michael Myers doesn't blink. Well, I mean, that's now what we've shown is that Michael Myers didn't blink. Halloween Kills did not blink. Venom's the one who blinked, and that is a sign of weakness. Yeah, you know they they took. Uh, this powerful character, Venom, that people, he has a big lizard tongue and he eats people's heads and he cracks jokes like Deadpool. And they effectively neutered him by having him run away from Michael Myers on that October 15th date. You know, the public saw that today. They saw Venom, Venom Let There Be Carnage, run away from Michael Myers. Now, I do think it was the it was smart move. There's no way that those two movies should have both opened on October 15th and they moved it to October 1st, which is pretty much an open date. You know, the only movie that was opening on that date was the Adams Family animated sequel, which is also going to be a day and date streamer. So and different demos. Different demos. So October 1st was the way to go for Either Venom Let There Be Carnage or Halloween Kills, but Venom's the one who ran, and that makes Venom look weak. And I don't know, you know, you have, you know, uh, the youth audience nowadays, do they look at that and they're like, oh, Venom's kind of a, you know, ki- kind of a, a wimp or kind of a scared cat. Don't- I think they'll I don't be, know. they'll just, you know what Sony should say? They should say Venom was just taking care of its mental health and then. Right there, yeah. it's got an excuse. Yeah, I mean, they, they got to come up with something or I would say just ignore it and pretend this was always the date. But you know, just, just the, uh, 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 what is that term that people use when you when you make someone think they're, they're crazy? Gaslight them. You're gaslighting them. So just maybe that, you know, you don't want to give that as advice, but maybe Sony should just, just go with gaslighting as their marketing strategy and just say, Wait, what do you mean September? We were never going to open September 24th. We were never going to open October 15th against Halloween Kills. It was it was always October 1st. No, you're you're crazy if you think that Venom Let There Be Carnage ran away from Halloween Kills. It was always October 1st. Just go with that. Go with that. That's your marketing strategy right now. Well, what's frustrating about this October 1st date mm-hmm. is that it only gives Venom 2 one weekend before Bond comes in. Right. And 
if you opened it on the 24th, then you would have two weekends. Right. To get all of the, uh, that's where it would make all of its money. Not that it's right. not going to make all of its money in one weekend, but that but Bond is such a huge blockbuster to go up against. It's bound to cut into the audience at some point. Oh, for sure. I mean, Bond is, again, you know, we often call it, it's your dad's franchise. It's your, you know, Bond, Bond is for dads and for granddads. But you know what? This Bond movie is going to be a holiday. This movie is going to be a national event when this finally comes out. And Venom, yeah, Venom could have had two full weekends all to itself. And instead, it's going to have what it does on its big open, which is going to be huge. It's going to be, I think, I still think Venom Let There Be Carnage on October 1st has a real shot at our first triple digit opening weekend, opening to 100. I think that is still very possible. It is. I believe so, too. But Bond that following weekend is going to take all of the... Uh, it's it, it's gonna it's gonna take over the news cycle, as they say. It's gonna take over the box office cycle, and become the big story. And and then you got it, Halloween Kills right there. So right. so it just it had a runway and it lost it. It blew it. It blew it. It blew it. It blew it. It had a chance to have two weekends to itself, and it blew it. And it blew it. You know, it's not a catastrophe, but it is a. Uh, it's it's just a problem that that they created by themselves that didn't need to be created. They could have waited it, to see what Free Guy did, waited to see what Shang Chi did, and then if those movies tanked, then you take Venom, let there be carnage, and you push it out six months. But moving it three weeks October fifteenth was always such a a dingusy move. So just so just to be clear, because it's been jumping around a lot. It is now going to open on October 1st, yep. most likely. So it has a firm date, but like everybody is saying online, who knows, this movie may never come out. And that is not what you want to hear. That's not what you want to hear. You want to hear people just talking about, oh, is, is Venom going to win or is Carnage going to win or is, are we going to see Spider-Man's going to appear in this movie or... You know, is uh, is Michelle Williams going to be a Venom? Is Deadpool going to show up and hang out with Venom because they seem like they'd be good friends? Those are the kind of things you want people talking about heading into the opening weekend of Venom. Let there be carnage. You don't want people talking about will this movie possibly never come out? Well, speaking of which, mm-hmm. let's talk about these Paramount moves. Yeah. Yeah. So, these are big. These happened last week at some point. After yeah, it happened after our last show. So they they happened middle of last week, but we, we got to talk about them because they're so huge. So Top Gun Maverick is moving to May twenty seventh, Memorial Day weekend of twenty twenty two, which was Mission Impossible 7's spot. Mm-hmm. And that movie is now moving to September 30th, 2022 as well. Wow. And now, Top Gun Maverick was supposed to open this, what, November? November 19th, the pre-Thanksgiving weekend of November 19th. Gotcha. So Top Gun Maverick moved from this November to May, and then Mission Impossible 7 moved from May to next November. This... These two, these moves, coupled with Jackass Forever moving to February fourth, two thousand twenty-two, away from October twenty-second of this year, we'll talk about Jeez. that a little bit later. Means Paramount doesn't have anything in twenty twenty-one. Oh my God, Paramount! What is going on? Now here's what the here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I understand these moves more. Because Mission Impossible, Top Gun, these Tom Cruise films are Baffa Bobo overseas. And mm-hmm. overseas, we're a domestic podcast, but overseas right now is a mess. Right. And these movies are they're they're, they're tipped to do Baffa, Baffa, Baffa Bobo. Huge, huge, huge mm-hmm. movies for them. 
And since Paramount is not going to go the route of day and date, which I agree with, I completely, they've seen what happened with HBO Max. They're, they're, they're not willing to set up, or they're not willing or they don't want to set up a premiere access type situation mm-hmm. with their films, which would be the only way to go day and date with these such huge films. Because, and I think Top Gun Maverick and Mission Impossible movies are movies you want to see on the big screen. A hundred percent. And I understand, I understand these moves, but what we have to translate for people is that for the layman, the people who aren't exactly want to be oh boys, want to be oh girls, want to be oh people, people, they need to understand that there's different reasons to move. The reasons why Venom 2 moved and we hit them so hard was because they moved for wrong reasons. Well, and because they moved and because it moved three weeks out, you know, like yes, what I kept yes, saying yes. about Venom was if their worry was the Delta variant or even international box office is just not there yet. Three weeks is a meaningless amount of time right now. You move it out six months, which is what Paramount did with both of these movies. They took them and moved them about exactly six months out, which six months is a period of time where you could assume things will be very different. Maybe they're different worse. You hope they're different better. But six months is a is a amount of time where you would say, okay, the things we're worried about now, hopefully in six months, aren't a problem anymore. Yes. So that they they made a a logical move in that sense. It's I think the thing that we have to explain to people is they're looking the way we always do with domestic box office and we're seeing Shang-Chi just opened to a 90 million dollar four day and Free Guy is having there's something about Mary-esque holds every week and is, you know, going to be over 100 million dollars any day now and Jungle Cruise is doing well. And domestic box office looks like, especially for the big movies, it's fine. Mm -hmm. But the thing about these Tom Cruise big movies are they do well domestically. They do really well domestically. But they don't do superhero movie numbers domestically. International money is still a huge part of how you make a profit off of these big Tom Cruise movies. So if if you look around the world and, you know, right now it's it's tougher for a lot of these movies to get into China. So even taking China out of the equation, just Europe and, and, and all these different places, you know, Japan, where these movies rack up some pretty big numbers. Right now, those 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 theaters are not doing that well. They're suffering. So, so that's what they're worried about. I get it. There is something, though, to do you start to feel like, especially with something like Top Gun Maverick, which was supposed to come out summer of 2020. This was a movie that I think originally had a June 2020 release date. Yes. And now we're looking at May 2022 is when it's going to come out. Do these Tom Cruise movies start to feel a little musty? You know, we saw that with some movies this summer where there was a musty feel to some stuff. And that that definitely played into how much people were willing to go see something. So, so I, I'll throw that out there. Will, will Top Gun Maverick coming out two years later be a little too musty to sell? I don't believe so, and the reason being is that people have waited so long for another Top Gun movie. They never thought they would get it. Mm-hmm. So two years in the in the scheme of somebody's life who's waiting for a Top Gun film, I don't think matters as much. Right. They've I been waiting it's 40 a, years. So, yeah. So I think people are going to be able to wait another six months for this i i just believe that's true mission impossible same thing i think it's akin to your fast and furious movies when they Mm -hmm. see delays people know they like those films they're going to 
they're going to just see them when they come out. So I, I don't think these will be musty. That, that uh, to me, I don't feel like, I think something like Black Widow seemed musty. We were afraid Free Guy was going to seem musty. Obviously, we're wrong about that. Yeah. So there's always, we're, you know, we're trying to figure out with all this stuff. That's the thing is we don't, we don't necessarily know what's musty and what's not musty. But to me, I think these will not be musty. Yeah. And, and I think, I think a big part of what keeps a, an on the shelf movie musty or not is, the stars and the vitality of the stars of these movies and their ability to look the way they, when they promote the movie, when the movie finally comes out, do they look the same way they did in the movie when it was filmed? You know, and a big movie we've talked about is, is Ghostbusters Afterlife. Will these kids look anything like uh, uh, what they did in the movie when they're actually promoting it when this comes out, because they've all aged a lot. We we know that that is a huge problem for Ghostbusters Afterlife. How much of these the cast members aged from when the movie was shot to when the movie finally comes out? Well, speaking think, of which, that movie moved into Top Gun Maverick's old home on November 19th. So we will see just how old these kids look and, very, and very soon. That's it's that's to me the most fascinating part of that movie's opening weekend is when the cast makes the round and they're sitting side by side at a press junket with the poster from the movie that was shot years ago. This movie's supposed to come out a year and a half ago. Uh, you know, how does their hair look compared to what it looked like in the movie? Maybe you're putting wigs on these on these cast members when they're doing the press junket so you don't see the gray hairs next to them the posters where they're playing 15 year olds maybe well that's they're the standing key. they're standing next to they're getting pictures taken next to the standees and right. they're th- feet taller they're a foot taller than the standee right and they're having trouble standing because they're older now you know the standees are them when they were young vital teenagers standing up perfectly straight and now you got these cast members standing next to the standees and they got bad backs so, you know, you got to hide that in the press junket. So, which is all to say with these Tom Cruise movies moving out again, I think that's not a problem for Top Gun Maverick and Mission Impossible 7 because Tom Cruise is such a a, a, a vital human being, a, a ageless human being, which and we're not going to dissect how he goes about that. Whatever means he uses to keep his agelessness, whatever it is he does, you know, to make that happen, he does it. But the results are what the results are. He looks like he doesn't age. So I think moving these movies six months out isn't going to affect how Tom Cruise looks compared to what he looks like in the movie itself. He'll look the same. Well, then that brings us to the other move. Yeah, which, which I think makes is a problem. Absolutely no sense, which is the Jackass Forever. Yeah. Moving from October 22nd of this year to February 4th, 2022. Yeah. Now, oh. the reason Paramount did this is they said, well, this is the reason that was stated mm-hmm. is that they didn't want to show preferential treatment. Now, do you think Johnny Knoxville thinks he's. As big of a star as Tom Cruise. Do you think Steve-O thinks he's as big a star as as, as Tom Cruise? Do you think Party I think Boy? Steve-O does. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But do you think Chris Pontius, Party mm-hmm. Boy, the Party mm-hmm. Boy himself, thinks he's bigger than Tom Cruise? Do you think new jackass recruit Poopies thinks he's bigger than Tom Cruise or at the level of Tom Cruise? I, I think, would say I think that is not I, true, and that is a ridiculous statement to be made by Paramount. I think Wee Man might think that he's as big as Tom Cruise. No, Wee Man's down to earth. He's a cool dude. Okay. Have you ever hung with Wee Man? I haven't, but I'm just saying I think Wee Man might he's a think good guy. he's as big as Tom Cruise. That's that's all I'm saying. Um, I, I don't know. Like, you think of S- Steve-O... I think Johnny Knoxville's he's definitely not. Johnny Knoxville's been 
in Hollywood, in real Hollywood productions, he knows he's not on the same tier as Tom Cruise. So I don't he's been think through he the, he's been through the ringer. He's been through the ringer for sure. Um, and he knows the hazards that are out there in Hollywood. And I think that Johnny Knoxville knows his place. If they had moved the Tom Cruise movies because they're scared about the theatrical situations overseas and kept Jackass in its spot, I don't think Johnny Knoxville's getting uh, upset. No, I he's a knock-around Steve- guy. Yeah. I do think, though, Steve-O is someone who would have taken offense to that because I think Steve-O looks at Tom Cruise as another guy who does stunts in movies just like I do. You know, Steve-O looks at Tom Cruise and he says, oh, that's the guy who I always hear about that he rides his own motorcycle in the movie. He jumps out of helicopters. He uh, uh, flies his own plane. He does all these crazy stunts. And Steve-O's like, okay, Tom Cruise does that and I do that. I, I Tom Cruise jumps out of a helicopter. I give myself paper cuts in between my toes. I, I snort wasabi up my nose. You know, that so I think Steve O, if if he saw that Paramount was giving, you know, preferential treatment to Tom Cruise movies and moving them because they thought there'd be a more favorable opening next year and they left Jackass where it is, I do think Steve O would have complained. He he yeah, he would believe that the only difference between what he does and Tom Cruise is the amount of human waste involved. Yes. Yes. And to him, the fact that his stunts have way more human waste involved than Tom Cruise's stunts, Steve O would look at that as saying, I'm the bigger star. I'm the one who needs to be coddled. So so why why this move? Because I think I don't want to speak for you, but I'm going to. We are the Prime demo for this film. Yes, we are the jackass generation. The way that that kids today are, as we dubbed them, the Tom and Jerry generation, our generation is the jackass generation. So the way that they have put this trailer out, the first Mm -hmm. trailer, this is, remember your old friends. Yeah. Nostalgia based. And they're really courting us. The mm-hmm. people who went opening night to Jackass 1, Jackass 2, Jackass 3D, mm-hmm. and saw those raucous crowds. The people who went to see and were disappointed and saddened and thought about their mortality when we went to opening night of Action Point, which me and uh, you did. Mm-hmm. This should be the redemption for that. Right. This should be, you are vital, even right. though you are older. They're admitting that we're older, but that we're still vital. Right. This is we're a vital movie. enough to get ourselves to a movie theater. This is a movie that gets musty the more you push it back. Yes, it gets musty and you're risking, the longer you delay a movie like Jackass Forever, you're risking... Losing audience because six months can make a, a huge uh, a huge difference in the life cycle of, a, of the audience that wants to go see Jackass. Not just because of our age, but because of you assume that we have more dangerous tendencies. You know, we go see these jackasses because maybe we're people who are walking around doing crazy stunts, putting our bodies at risk. So six months makes a lot of difference in terms of how much of that audience will be alive to go see the movie. And it definitely makes a difference in terms of what the cast will look like and what shape they'll be in six months later. How many teeth? How many limbs? Right. Because you got Steve-O going out there doing his live shows, you know, where I assume, you know, this is based on what I've seen him in the Jackass movies and on underground Steve-O tapes that he's put out. You know, Steve-O's going out there stapling his nuts on stage. And so you, you're you adding six more months of Steve-O going around stapling his nuts on stage. And there's a danger that the one of those staples is going to be the one that keeps him from being able to do the press junkets. Yeah. And, it's, it's, and the it's same true. thing with Johnny Knoxville. I think Johnny Knoxville 
keeps himself in good enough shape. And I, I think he's a Hollywood veteran. So I don't think there's much danger of six months later, Johnny Knoxville looking noticeably worse or having had some kind of testicular prank that that keeps him from doing the press junkets. But you definitely run that risk with, with Chris Pontius, the party boy. You know, six months of party boy living the party boy lifestyle. He might not make it to the new opening weekend. Um, I don't know. Is Preston Lacey still in in Jackass Forever? Because yes, God knows he is. See, that's a danger. That's a danger when you move Jackass from this uh, October to next February. You really run the risk of not having Preston Lacey available. You know, it, it, or having Preston Lacey gotten himself into something that makes the movie harder to release. You, you don't want to be sitting on the shelf with Preston Lacey content for very long. It makes me wonder what their expectations for this film is, because I would say that releasing this in a in a less clustered and less busy year is where this will ex- will excel. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel like the more you push it into hopefully quote unquote normal life, the less you can expect from this film. Yeah, I box mean, office wise, I, I I just I'm wondering what their expectations are for this film because I know on our side it's not very high, and we are the prime demo who I will see this opening night. I still have high expectations for this movie. I mean, all the Jackass movies proper have been really big hits. I do think there's a lot of goodwill and nostalgia towards this movie, but the further you push it out, the less of that audience that's going to still be alive, again, based on age, based on lifestyle, and the supporting cast, you really run into the risk that that Preston Lacey ain't going to make it to February. It's in a state where he could be useful at the press junkets. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of see the, maybe the benefit of like this October is going to be insane in terms of how big these movies are. You know, we talked about October 1st, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, October 8th, the the new Bond movie, October 15th, Halloween Kills, October 22nd is Dune, which we both think is probably going to bomb, um, you know, and then that same day, October 22nd, you also had and some limited releases, you know, so they're moving Jackass off of what would have been a really crowded month. But I, 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 I think they should have just stuck their guns. And if they're moving Jackass because they don't want Steve-O to be offended because Steve-O looks at himself as on the same level as Tom Cruise, you know, sometimes you bite the bullet and you accept the fact that Steve-O's publicist is going to be on line three with an angry call. And you just yes. sit there and you listen and you let Steve-O's publicist yell at you. And listen, you understand this fact that Steve-O's publicist is is mainly booking him on on uh, cruises, you know, and, and insane clown posse events. So you take that yelling from that publicist with a grain of salt. Yeah, it's part of the biz and you have to understand that. Yeah. So so let's look forward to next weekend because we want to try we, we can never be under an hour. I we always try to do it, we just can't do it. I think we got a shot to do it. We're at 50 something minutes. So let's try. No, we, let's try. We won't though. So we've got two movies opening next weekend or this okay. coming weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malignant, James Wan's new horror film. And Queen Pins, which is a comedy starring Kristen Bell. And Vince Vaughn, mm-hmm. and someone else big that I can't think of right now. Okay, but it's a STX comedy. So that's the studio that gave us the Bad Moms franchise. Yeah. So Kristen, uh, I was gonna say Kristen Stewart. Kristen Bell has a good relationship with them. Seems like. Mm-hmm. Now, Malignant is Warner Brothers. So this is filling that Warner Brothers horror film September right after summer slot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The prestige horror Warner Bros. spot that we saw it in mm-hmm. and it too. 
They're saying 11 to 6 million. This is on Box Office Pro for the opening. And again, like I, I think I said, day and date HBO Max, of course, because it's Warner Bros. And they're Queen saying Pins, they're saying six. Wait, six million to eleven million? For no, eleven to sixteen million. Eleven to sixteen million. Okay, gotcha. Which is lower than Conjuring Three: The Devil Made Me Do It opened to earlier mm-hmm. this year, which is mm-hmm. an HBO day and date, but also well-known franchise. Malignant is new. Right. So we'll see here whether James Wan's name means enough to put this in the $20 million range. Now, right. Conjuring 3 opened to 26. That's, I think, high for this film. But what do you think? Do you think this could overperform and over-index? I, I think it can. And yeah, the, the the star of this movie is the director, is James Wan. But that is something we see works really well in horror because just this summer, you've got M. Night Shyamalan's old open to what? 16 or 17 million three-day weekend. And you also had, even though Jordan Peele wasn't the director of Candyman... He was the producer. He was used heavily in the advertising. And that opened to, what, 22, 23 million just a few weeks ago. Candyman was 22. So James Wan should mean a lot as, as the main selling point of Malignant. And I do think that should get maybe to 19 million or so. That would be between, yeah, old, that would be in between old and Candyman because old opened to 16.8. Yeah, I think we got a shot at high teens, maybe hitting 20. I mean, horror is, is, is just always vital. And these star marquee horror directors usually mean more than actors do in this genre. And I think James Wan means something. I think, you know, he, he, especially in the horror genre, I think he is a brand name. I think it's not just the Conjuring franchise separate of him. I think he himself is a draw. So I, I think this could hit 19, 20 million dollars. Would you go, would you, would you go as high as 20? I don't think I would. I think I would stick at 19. Okay. I, I think I'm going to go 20. I'm going to go. Okay. I think I'll go 20 on this. Okay. Um, I mean, the HBO day and date thing, It we still kind of don't think it really affects the opening weekends that much, but it's obviously the inferior model to the Disney Plus premium PVOD. Um, and it's going to really really hurt this movie's, you know, second, third, fourth weekends. But as far as the opening weekend, the fact that you can watch it on HBO Max probably won't mean that much to the box office. So then we have Queen Pins, which is opening, according to Box Office Pro, between three and eight. Nice little wide berth there. Yeah. This is an interesting one because it, I do these. What did Bad Moms open to? I'm and looking I know, at that right now. So Bad Moms. Uh, that was a surprise up, hit. That was a surprise hit. It opened in. Let me see. Am I looking at the right one? Yeah, this opened in uh, the end of July 2016. And in its opening weekend, July 29th, 2016, it placed third and made $23.8 million opening. Okay. Not, not even, had, some, yeah. had some great holds. Following weekend was $14 million, but then the third weekend was $11 million, only a drop of 18.9%. So that movie was not a phenomenon, but a really big surprise hit. Um, I don't think Queen Pins... Is I mean I don't think it's gonna play like Bad Moms. That's for sure. You no. know, I saw the trailer. It's not as easy. Anything that has bad something 
is so digestible by a normal audience. They know bad Santa is Santa Claus being bad. Bad teacher is teacher being bad. Bad moms are these moms being bad. Queen pins is like, are they bowlers? Are they drug lords? Like, you know, what what does that mean? Well, they should have just called them bad. Because this movie is about like these women who use coupons uh, and a scam. Just call it bad coupon. Based on a true, yeah, it's based on a true story. I think they're also it's it's got a more comedic bent than something like Hustlers. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting. Uh, it, it's very hard for me to think what this film is going to make. Yeah, well, Hustlers was also STX, right? It was, yeah. So I mean, calling it Queen Pins is definitely the. I bet you the title Hustlers was a big consideration when they called this Queen Pins. Um, but I do think they should have went for the bad mom's titling and just called it bad coupons. Yeah. It, so uh, what are we saying here for this? Do we, do we think it makes $5 million? I think it makes less. I mean, I think what we're seeing this summer is, the big movies that people are really into over index or at least do as well as you would have hoped. But then the movies that are a little iffy really don't have a chance. And th- this queen pins is in that category. So I think this is a movie that can make like 2.7 million opening weekend. You know, it yeah. just doesn't have a big star. Kristen bell is the lead. And like, she's known as a podcaster and, and she had the TV show everyone liked. Well, she's, she's not known as a podcaster. She's known as a voice actress. A voice actress. Yeah, yeah. She's frozen. She's but... known as the wife of a podcaster if you're a Dak Shepard fan. Right. Oh, and she is one of the bad moms, right? She is one of the bad moms, yeah. She I mean, is that's one the... of the bad moms. So she, she can is... succeed in in this level of movie, but it's just not the right time for it. I don't think so. I mean, this is like you said, also has Vince Vaughn, who I think is a non-entity, you know, as a in a comedy freaky. Paul Walter Hauser is is in here as well. Yeah, it does have it does have Richard Jewell himself. Um, But again, Richard Jewell underperformed, so he's not a draw. He's not a draw. He's he's a good cast member. Definitely not a value add yet. This has Joel McHale is in it, which I think Uh, honestly is a negative. Yes, that makes me want to go where you are at too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could be worse. It could be you could have Craig Kilborn in whatever part Joel McHale is playing. Uh, And then I think at that point, that's a movie, you know, then Queen Pins is debuting on Crackle. So, um, but yeah, Joel McHale... Joe McHale, I think, takes some box office dollars away from this opening. Well, so then let's just do our top fives because I don't, I, do you think Queen Pins, we'll see, does it even fall into your top five? All right, let's do it. Let's see. I mean, number one this weekend is, of course, going to be Shang-Chi is going to keep the number one spot. I mean, it made $71 million this weekend, so you figure it, it could make in the 30s next weekend and it'll be number one. I'm so excited to see what this drop is going to be. Number two is, I would say it's a slam doink is going to be malignant. You know, if you, I'm figuring that opens around 19 million. So that's definitely good enough for number two. Then I do agree with you where I think number three will be free guy. Cause I think Candyman is going to have a harder drop. You know, malignant's going to come out. All the horror heads are going to go see malignant. So then I think free guys three, and then I think Candyman will be four because it'll make around $4 million. And then Jungle Cruise, I think, will be five. I think Jungle Cruise will make more than than uh, Queen Pins. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be very hard for me to go against you there because I agree with all of those. Yeah. But then why don't I just ha- give Kristen Bell the benefit of the doubt and say that she will be... She will bring that film to the fifth spot. So I'm going Shang-Chi, of course, Slam Doink, number one, 
Slam Doink number two, Malignant. Mm-hmm. Again, the Free Guy Jump. Then Candyman. Then number five, Queen Pins. Because maybe this movie makes $4 million. Maybe. I mean, listen, we always root for movies. I think especially it would be nice to see a comedy, like a pure comedy, over-indexed. Though, listen, Free Guy is basically a comedy, so I think that's a win but it's, for comedy. But it's an action comedy. That's It's, it's the kind of comedy, comedy yeah. that now is is the only kind of comedy that can do well, it feels like, which is a right. shame. It'd be nice to see a female-fronted comedy that's mm-hmm. a smaller-scale Lower budget film do well at the box office. Yeah. So that yeah. not everything is shunted off to your streamers. Like something yeah. like Vacation Friends, which we both watched. We watched together. We we loved, and we wished that that film would have gone to the box office, yes. so we could have seen what it could do. Yes, it's a, a John Cena, Lil Rel Howery two hander uh, that's on Hulu, which in years past. Would have been the type of movie that comes out in theaters and could end up making 50 or 60 million dollars. But, you know, nowadays it goes straight to streaming. So, yeah, Queen Pins is going to theaters. So good for that. I mean, Queen Pins, you watch that trailer and you feel like nowadays that is a Hulu, you know, uh, uh, movie if there ever was one. But it's going to get a theatrical release. So we'll see. And you know what? I'm going to see it. I possibly will see in theaters if it's at the Nighthawk near where I live, which it's not going to be, then I would see it. But Mm -hmm. I probably so on that note, I probably will not see it in theaters. All right. Well, Pat, we we did it. Where can they where can they find us? Where can they send us their top 10? Send us your top 10. Send us your predictions for Queen Pins. Send us your malignant predictions uh, and, and just let us know. How excited the opening of Shang-Chi made you. Email us at theboboyspodcast at gmail.com. And then check out our Substack. Also, go on Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Box Office Revival. Brandon Gray is down there. He's holding it, holding, holding the courts, talking about oh, box office. So he much is fun. building, he's building a a just a empire on there. Yeah. Yeah. And we did not get to jump on that on Sunday. We were unfortunately very busy with another project. Uh, so we will be on there though. We are going to be jumping on there very soon. So look for us on clubhouse box office revival. Yeah. It's the great thing about box office revival on clubhouse is you truly never know who's going to show up. So the fact that the B.O. boys weren't there this past weekend doesn't mean that we're not just going to pop up next weekend and or the weekend after. You, you just never know. So you, you, the only way to find out is to be there yourself. And there's nothing left to say except no. for until next time. We'll, we'll smell, smell you at the box office. office. Nailed it. <laughs>